And welcome, everybody, to another Smart Money Circle show. I'm Adam Sarhan. With me today is Jason Wilk, who's the founder and CEO of Dave.com. And it's a publicly traded stock. D-A-V-E is the ticker. Uh, Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So, Dave, can you, uh, sorry, Dave, can, Jason, can you tell us a little about how you founded Dave and your story and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, well, I'm a I'm a lifelong entrepreneur. I started building companies when I was in my dorm room in college, and that first business was a company called One Day Sports, which would help to liquidate golf product from major retailers at a significantly discounted price in a daily deal type setting. So we would sell last year's clubs for 50% off for 24 hours or until it was sold out. And the next deal would be the next day or until the other product sold out. It was a great business model, sort of as a senior in school and sold out when I got out of college. Uh, that journey led to quite a few overdraft fees while I was trying to build a business, pay for all my expenses, traveling back from San Francisco. And I always had in the back of my mind that my bank is terrible. I've been with them for 15 plus years. I'm getting hit with all these overdraft fees and there had to be a better way. And so Dave was really the, the genesis of a lot of personal pain points related to consumer finance. I love it. So tell us a little about Dave, if you don't mind what you guys do and the value proposition, all that fun stuff. Yeah. So today, Dave is a company with over 8 million members. We are an app that is is specialized in, in next generation banking services for our customers to avoid overdraft fees, minimum balance fees, and have a much better platform, which is powered by our AI underwriting engine. And our anchor feature of our checking account that we offer to customers is called Extra Cash. And that is a $500 cash advance that comes with no interest, no credit check, which our customers can tap into at any time to pay for things like rent, gas, groceries. And we found that to be an incredible differentiator when it came to launching us versus the incumbents. We actually started off as just a uh, insights tool and cash advance solution for existing bank accounts. So you would download Dave, connect your Chase or Wells Fargo account, as opposed to overdrafting your Chase account and paying them a $34 fee for as little as $5 of overdraft, you would come to us for hundreds of dollars of interest-free overdraft protection. It was no surprise that our number one most requested feature from our members was for us to launch our own checking account. That was the vision from day one. And when we saw such huge customer demand, we uh, finally realized that vision last year and launched a checking account to all members. And it's been a, a wild success for us. I love that. So members come to you. Let's talk about the customer acquisition process. How do you acquire new members? What are some of the ways or the, that are effective for you as far as bringing new members on the platform? Great question. So we found that launching a new checking account would be very expensive from a cost per acquisition perspective. Banks right. pay hundreds of dollars, if not thousands of dollars to market their banks. They have celebrity endorsers. We never thought we would be able to compete without raising billions of dollars to go pay that several hundred dollar account opening cost. Right. We'd seen many other neo banks launch before us and not be successful either. And so we really wanted to go to market with something that was unique. And every person we found in this country has had a problem with overdraft at one point or another. What we found though, with the unique innovation of Dave was that customers actually like overdraft. They just hate the idea of paying 
a $34 fee to their bank and sometimes upwards of $100 per day. Right. So that's, we have basically launched a uh, more of a Trojan horse approach where as opposed to launching the full checking account and spending all this money on employees and infrastructure and all that, we would just focus on overdraft protection as our first product. Got it. And at the time we launched, there was this brand new technology called Plat, which helped you connect to people's external accounts. And I figured if my bank, I'm with them for 15 years, I have enough transactions going in there. They know I'm a low risk customer. Why do they have to charge me such a huge amount of money when they know that I'm good for it? Right. And so that was really the impetus. We said, we're gonna we're gonna give you that overdraft protection for free. We're right. gonna use your transaction data from your account and put that into an AI model to spit out effectively a risk score if you're good to pay us back. And we've had wild success with that. We've had over 65 million people, or sorry, 65 million cash advances taken out from Dave since we launched five years ago across our 8 million members. And we are originating billions of dollars per year to help people and are saving customers billions of dollars in the meantime. That approach of focusing on overdraft protection right. led to us having a CAC of about 15 to $20 compared to the hundreds of dollars at a bank. Got it. And someone engaged with our overdraft protection product, their likelihood of wanting to open up and, and use our checking account is very strong. So yeah. it just so happens that our model is so much more efficient than the incumbents that it allows to keep our cost structure low and keep our prices a fraction of the incumbent banks, which is why we're being so successful. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And then you also offer other things as well, like the side hustle and things of that nature. Can you speak to that a little bit, please? Yeah, so we, we sensed a theme around the things that we were building. We are really helping save and put more money back in people's pockets. When you think about the $34 overdraft fees, on average, about $400 was what our customers were paying in overdraft fees per year to their bank. Wow. Combined with minimum balance fees, it was all about really helping people uh, do a better job between paychecks. So we launched a couple of ancillary products um, to help people with that. One called Side Hustle, which helps connect our members to the gig economy. We found many of our members through our, our data that they were driving for places like Uber and Lyft. So we decided to expose all the other opportunities out there from DoorDash to Instacart and a dozen other opportunities out there. I think we have 35 different places now. And that helps our members make more money, puts more, more money back in their pocket. And we found that to be a great, uh, great addition. Nice. We also, in addition to extra cash and the, the checking account, we have a goals account, which is a savings account where you can set up multiple targets to help you achieve certain things in life, like uh, paying off your hospital bills or saving up for a house, you name it. So we, we, feel, we, feel, we feel we're very uh, full featured now at this point, but we're still going to market with that extra cash differentiator, which brings customers in the door cheaply and gets them highly engaged. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So let's talk about, you mentioned risk. So that's kind of perfect segue to my next question. Can you talk a little about risk management, what mistakes you see people make from a business standpoint, consumer standpoint, any direction you want to go? Uh, I'd say risk is very important, which is why we spent a lot of time on our underwriting engine. When we first started the business, we had this amazing value prop, obviously, which is, hey, we'll give you free money as opposed to your bank, which is charging you. Right. But that did come with a cost. We were losing about 25 cents on the dollar for what we were giving out to members. But pretty quickly on, after we started developing our, our engine, we've gotten those loss rates down to around 2%. And we're doing that at massive scale. 
and we've been able to 5X the limit we are, can give out to customers to protect them between paychecks. So I'd say really focusing on the underwriting to be in long-term and, and efficient is, is helpful. And then certainly making sure that uh, you're paying close attention to things like uh, fraud and, and um, other parts of risk management. I love it. So Jason, you've started many businesses and you're now in running Dave. Uh, you have a really, you have a lot of experience. So what are some timeless lessons you'd like to share with the audience, please? Uh, let me think about that. So, you know, I'd, I'd say that one of the things, the biggest things for me is to be a really calm leader. And I think especially going through times of uncertainty, we're living in a very uncertain world. And I find that people look to you for a sense of security. So, you know, having a really strong mission, vision, strategy, which you can always point back to and really not, um, you know, not getting too anxious in the moment when things aren't going your way, because entrepreneurship is such a life of ups and downs. You just have to be pretty calm through it. And I, I find that to be one of my strengths with regards to, to leadership. I love that. And then what are some timeless mistakes you see people make and how do you avoid them? I mean, there are plenty of, plenty of mistakes. I mean, I'd say the first one is really around hiring. Okay. I'd say there's so many different mistakes you can make in hiring using your sort of gut judgment or using your uh, being sort of tricked by someone's personality. You really have to have a very clear job description and make sure you're hiring the person that best meets that, that job. There are lots of things that get people distracted and make the wrong decision. And then the second mistake on the back of that, I think is, when you find there's a misfit in a hire, making a move faster to correct it and parting ways with that that person when it might not be a fit for you or for them, uh, the longer you let it go on to be nice or you're actually you know actually not doing either either of the parties a favor. Right. So that you see a mistake, basically, if it's not working, the faster you deal with it, the better, so it doesn't turn into Godzilla and, and eat the whole whole, whole thing. Yeah, so and I can't tell you how many other people give me that same advice as well. It's great. It's a really, really keep your losses small. I mean, that's just, it's great advice. If even for trading and investing, same thing applies. So, yeah. um, Jason, let's talk about leadership. You mentioned staying calm. What are some other attributes that make a great leader? Well, I, I think it really comes down to building a great team you know, and a really great team that can not only um, execute on, on a plan, but is really great at, at planning. We spent a lot of time with the company developing our OKR strategy which takes a really good amount of time to get set up. But once you have it going, the cadence you have of really checking back on your goals and giving people a framework to come up with their own ideas and execute on their own versus being a top-down leadership organization. Mm -hmm. I think a good leader can really set a high-level strategy, a high-level vision and mission, but ultimately you know, it can't be up to you to go out and build all these things on your own. You have to have a great team that feels empowered and You'd be surprised when you give people the the ownership, the types of great concepts and ideas they come up with. Yeah, I love that. So let's talk about that for a second, if you don't mind. How do you deal with the different personalities and building a great team is such a huge, huge, huge part of winning and part of the equation. How do you deal with it with personal like the inner office politics and personality clashes, but making sure everyone stays true to the mission, like put we above I, so to speak. How do you handle those situations? Well, first we have great check-in. So we'll have a weekly business review that kind of goes over our, our key statistics. But more important than that, we'll have a quarterly business review where everyone kind of does a retro on what they learned from the quarter and also does a look forward on what they're planning to do for the next quarter measured by their, their objectives and their key results. 
I think it's important to have that. The second component, I, I believe, is having a directly responsible individual within the organization. And we made an important change in our company a few years ago to make the product team the, the DRI. And yeah. we thought that that was very helpful to have really one person responsible. We previously had a GM model where GM is sort of responsible for the strategy, but they have no ownership on the deliverability of things. We found that giving product the power to own things end to end was a really strong way to execute and plan. And it's been a game changer for us over the last uh, last couple of years. I love it. And what is the, uh, if you can pick one, the best lesson you've learned about leadership or some of the best lessons, if you want to use more than one. I'll say it's not a race. You know, I think ever, ever since you're young, you know, you want to be the best, you want to get there the fastest, but really building things for longevity is important. And the other part of it's not a race is that you can oftentimes get very distracted by what VCs are investing in, what your competitors are doing. But oftentimes you find that you wake up in a few years and realize that those guys are not even correct and you wasted time chasing something. And so I'd say you really have to can go back to that strategy, find what really fits within that. Does it help impact your long-term vision? And really ask yourself, you know, is this a potential distraction? And am I just being, um, you know, sidelined by something that may or may not be a, a fad? Yeah, that's really, really powerful. Like basically keeping your eye on the ball, making sure that you understand it's like an infinite game opposed to where's the, where are we next quarter? And then staying aligned to the long-term goals. You know, actually Warren Buffett talks about that, Jason, in his annual letter he just published, he calls it the great, the American tailwind. And he gives, you know, basically the stock market, the economy's up the last 50, 60 years since he's been running, running uh, Berkshire Hathaway. And he gives all credit to the American tailwind, but most people don't even look past the next quarter, let alone position themselves for the next decade or several decades. So that's yeah. a really, really great piece of advice. Thank you for sharing that. Um, of course. Let's talk about adversity. I know great leaders, great successful people overcome adversity. Most people do it. They hit a wall, then they stop because it's painful and they, they, they fail. But successful people like yourself overcome adversity. Can you give us an example of some kind of obstacle you've overcome and how you handle adversity, please? Yeah, well, I think going back to the origins of Dave, I was uh, a semi-successful founder. I, I just sold my most recent company for a, a great return for my shareholders. I was pivoting to a brand new industry that I had no experience with, which was fintech. Uh, having said that, even after we had product market fit with the with Dave, it took me over 130 meetings to close our Series A. Wow. We had great opening stats, but trying to convince investors who had never had an overdraft fee in their life that this is something important for American consumers was so painful to get done. And once we really started to, to scale significantly after that and other co competitors started popping up, then all of a sudden we looked really smart. And, and so it's easy, it would, been, it would have been pretty easy to give up at that point and recognize that investors don't care about this problem, but um, yeah, we got the business all the way as high as a $5 billion valuation. We scaled to millions of customers and we built a, a heck of a business. So everybody who passed on us at that stage uh, really regrets it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's phenomenal success and that you're just getting started. I mean, you've only been public for a year now. So yeah, um, yeah, no, this is, it's really, really, really interesting. And plus you have so many more offerings. You can offer these people, not just uh, one or two or three, you, you can monetize that in many, many other ways. 
Yeah, so, I'd say that that's a key message for us with, with investors right now. We we're, we built a, a a really strong business, and we're still we're we're still very early on in our monetization. As of right now, I mean, we still very much rely on our acquisition engine, which is extra cash, and the checking business is still relatively nascent for us. Yet we're still uh, north of two hundred million annual run uh, annual revenue business last year. We are shrinking the the gap towards profitability and. There are so many other things in consumer finance to ship to our customers to help them save money. You would have to be living under a rock to think that we can't grow lifetime value from here. And even if we didn't, we still have a great business tracking towards profitability, giving no credit to any future product opportunities. So I'd say you know we are a really interesting company to take a look at when you think of it, of all the ways that banks make money that we are not currently doing as of today. Yeah, and you're also not really impacted by the shenanigans that's going on right now, big picture, right? That's right. I think we've learned a big lesson about people who have you know over two hundred fifty thousand dollars of assets and are in a bad rush to spread their assets across the country, uh, across different assets, across different banks. Right. But the average American consumer is having a hard time coming up with four hundred dollars for an emergency. So we're we're very much dealing with like a one percent problem here. And what the average American is going through, they need a stable checking account. The thing they need to be most focused on is cutting out fees, which is really hurting their overall cash flow position more so than any investing or putting it into treasuries or anything that's going on in um, major publications right now. It's not affecting the average person. Yeah, especially with inflation going on. That's a really, really good point. So, um, okay, Jason, as we come here, my one of my favorite questions is what advice would you give your 30 year old self or 20 year old self and that you'd like to share with the audience? There's a few. I mean, I'd say, you know, you have to enjoy the moment as a entrepreneur, or even just in your, your everyday career, I think everything goes by very fast and you need to acknowledge when you have some wins because they don't last that long and pretty quickly you have to be dealing with the next, the next issue. So, you know, you really have to try and enjoy the moment. Like we talked about earlier in the call, making those hiring changes faster when you can sense something isn't right. Really doing reference checks on your, your potential partnerships you're going to do. I mean, whatever career you're in, I'm sure you'll come across different people you're going to partner with. Bad partnerships can slow you down a lot. And I think we could have learned a lot by taking a beat, doing some extra homework, looking around the industry to see if we were working with best in class partners and uh, especially within fintech, there's been a lot of uh, smoke and mirrors with regards to partnership opportunities that I wish we could have uh, looked around a little bit further. And we would be you know, an even bigger company than we are today. Gotcha. And with the right partner, it can accelerate your growth even further. I mean, 10x. Yes. Or, yeah, that's a really, really good point. Well, beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Jason, for coming on the show. The best way for people to get a hold of you is dave.com and they can open up accounts there and learn more there. Or Yes. Beautiful. Yeah, that's right. Excellent. The stock tickers, D-A-V-E. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Jason. Hopefully we'll have you on again soon. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. Excellent.